You're listening to Liturgies of Life, the fifth season of Enacting the Kingdom. Here you'll be joining me and Father Jeffrey as we consider the wider implications of our everyday rituals. From shopping to social media to sports and to the so-called work-life balance, let's explore how the mundane aspects of our daily existence truly become liturgies of life. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Written by a famous Jewish Pharisee named Paul of Tarsus. Owe nothing to anyone but to love one another. Mm-hmm. We as Christians are called, the only thing we are called to owe is love. Right? We pay our love. Um, but we do live in a society which has, uh, I, I would say, normalized debt right? Normalized debt. And I'm hoping in this episode, Father Jeffrey, we can take our orthodox, you know, uh, magnifying glass and look at debt and see what we see. Uh, What are maybe some of the spiritual implications of financial debt? Um, And how does that affect our spiritual life? And maybe questions as simple as, should an orthodox Christian ever kind of be in debt in in that way or voluntarily enter into uh, debt? Um, Maybe the first, like any good conversation, the definition of terms is probably very useful. Um, so, uh, you know, debt being you owe somebody something, right? Um, and, and sometimes that's done un, in, um, okay, for example, sometimes you would, in older days, if you couldn't pay a debt, you might have to serve your debt, right? As so, like a slave, right? Um, there was the, those kinds of debts. Nowadays, for you know, people in North America, usually it would be financial debt that the bank says, okay, you owe us $2,000 and you kind of try and pay that down as best you can and that kind of debt. Um, so yeah, before I move on into a bit more about consumerism and debt, Father Jeffrey, uh, do you want to throw anything in into the ring? One of the difficulties, obviously, is we have a, a whole economy that's constructed on debt, right? So well, exactly, uh, yeah. You know, we'll we'll be very quickly up against you know the the fact that how do you even exist in a society such as ours without taking on any kind of debt at any point in time, right? The the world just works in this way, so it's difficult sometimes to make direct comparisons, you know, to to previous you know eras. But it, of course, it should call us to you know, prophetically challenge the world we live in and, and ask whether there aren't better ways, you know, to kind of organize this. We brushed up against this, obviously, in the past. We talked about minimalism and, and um, you know, the something like the, the small house movement, you know, um, you know, might be the kind of thing Christians could get behind. And the idea that you could have adequate living space, but not have to take on a 40 year mortgage to, to be able to, to afford it, right. For, to provide for one another. And maybe, you know, the bigger question here is how much we can actually challenge and to some extent opt out of the world around us. But I think we have to be careful you know, in the first instance, to just sort of make blanket, you know, um, 
you know, condemnations of the world you know, around us. Because without doing that kind of prophetic action, and, and we need to be together to do that, you can't just on your own kind of opt out or provide alternatives and so forth. But it can be difficult, I think, for families, for, you know, for individual Christians to, to kind of, you know, face up to some of this. But what we really need to do is this kind of audit, this kind of diagnosis and assessment of, of what it is that's actually happening as we participate in this. And even if we don't have many other options today, to at least acknowledge the implications of the situation that we're in is an is a important first step. So I kind of view what we're doing today as, as some of that, right? That, um, you know, the way we're asking people to look at all of life as having this religious caste, as having this narrative caste, as having this liturgical dimension to it, that we're being formed in all aspects of our human life um, and all the practices that we have, well, in order to kind of make sense of that and figure out okay, what is the liturgy that's implied here? What is the story that's being told? What are the ends to which I've been co-opted and coerced in my heart and my desires without being even realized, uh, without even realizing it? And therefore, what have I formed as, as practices of my life leading, you know, towards that that I, I, I'm like, again, we, I consciously think of myself as a Christian, and yet this is what I'm actually practicing, right? So if we assess debt and owing, you know, uh, money to people within that, you know, framework, I think it'll help us to kind of at least see where the problem lies. And then maybe we can just about find our way into alternatives and, and other possibilities. If you are getting value from this podcast, please consider writing a short, positive five-star review on your podcast app. And even though we are social media free, there is still a place you can keep up to date with Enacting the Kingdom. You can join the email list by going to enactingthekingdom.com. I'd like to maybe explore uh, in this way to start. Let's look at debt and debt in our society. Um, through the most generous eyes, right? How might it be like a good thing, like uh, looking at it in the best case scenario, but then on the other hand, to after that, to look at like debt in its at its worst, right? Just so that we can have a sense of the spectrum on which kind of debt exists in our society, and then after that, we can kind of dig in in an orthodox way and see where what we can do with this uh, information. Um, you know, I so I have another podcast called the Prying Priest Podcast, and I had a man named Richard Reeves from the United States on, and he writes about economic issues. And I asked him like, how, um, how does debt fit in with an Orthodox view of, you know, progress or, you know, whatever it might be. And we had an interesting conversation. If you want to go back, you can find it. It's the interview with Richard Reeves. And uh, I think March, 2021, March, 2021 is when it happened. Um, But, you know, one of the things he pointed out is, the debt-fueled economy has increased prosperity, right? It's it's raised the poverty level, right? Um, pe- uh, even people who are poor now have a lot of act- like amenities, th- you know, things like that. Um, not that they're well off or anything like that, um, but you know that debt-fueled economy has actually uh, served to lift up society in sort of a economic way, a, a prosperity kind of way. Um, so, I mean, that's maybe how you could look at it in a positive way, that there's something useful about, about that debt-fueled economy. I mean, I don't want to get too much into the technicalities of, of, of economics here, but I mean, the good debt, right, that you could 
kind of broadly construe is one that's basically about providing a, a flow of, of of cash, essentially, I mean, of resources to be able to do things here and now that is staked on something of value whose, you know, whose the worth is only realizable over a long period of time, right? So I'm going to go to kind of macro level here. If we think about Canada as a, as a nation, it very resource rich, right? I mean, it has all the fresh water in the world. I mean, almost literally all the fresh water in the world is in Canada. Um, if you look at a percentage basis across the planet, it's got mineral resources, it's got forests, it's got, you know, all the, the kinds of things that over time will be drawn down upon, right? And and hopefully sustainably in the case of things like forests, but, but you know, mineral resources that, that will that will last, you know, many, many hundreds of years and so forth. Well, that can't all just be kind of taken out and sold and then you can take the money from that and and then use to to build roads or communications infrastructure and invest in health and education and that sort of thing. So what the government does is it issues debt, you know, instruments, right? And says, you know, we have the wherewithal, you know, look at our surety, right? We've, we are a resource rich nation, but we'll, you know, issue bonds, for example, in which you can give us the cash now that we will pay back over a period of time at interest, right? But it's based on the fact that we're good for it, right? It's like, you know, the guy wearing a Rolex may not want to sell the Rolex, but you will, you know, lend him a little bit of money knowing that, if he can't pay you back, he can always sell the Rolex to pay, be able to pay you back, right? He's right, good right. for it. Like it's on that basis. So there's there's some sort of foundation upon which the debt is created only because you want to be able to draw down on things that are only realizable over a long period of time. And, you know, you're, you're going to invest wisely in, in the present. Now, there are certain kinds of, you know, good practice around that it's not a really good idea to you know just squander you know what you what you draw down for those famous examples in the european union of course this kind of modern project of bringing europe back together reforming the roman empire however you want to think of it um but you know each of the new nations that, that were kind of struggling to kind of come up to scratch really with the the kind of modern world a couple of examples i'll give you greece and ireland right um, both joined the eu um, both had very agricultural very you know non-modern non you know competitive um non-technological societies well you know greece took a lot of the money from the european union and spent it on just kind of current projects right we're just going to use it to help pay for you know the thing that we're buying today the the government programs of today ireland the Republic of, Republic of Ireland took that money and invested in highways and in telecommunications infrastructure and in all kinds of long-term things. And what ended up happening is you ended up with, you know, Greece still being a kind of backwards economy, but the Republic of Ireland at one point became the fastest growing economy in, in Europe because they had invested wisely in things that attracted you know, new investment and, and new growth and so forth. So here was an example of, you know, debt or, or the, the kind of financing being used to kind of bring long-term, you know, prosperity and, and growth. And people will often talk about, you know, what happened in the 1970s in Canada, you know, and, and there was this obsession with debt at one point, right? And deficit financing and everything. And, and uh, you know, the, the elder 
Prime Minister Trudeau, Pierre Elliott, you know, famously you know, put Canada in a massive amount of debt. But his argument was this, that we have the resources to back this up. And what he wanted to do was do a vast expansion of things like, you know, health infrastructure and, and education and, and so forth and expand in these programs. And I'm not saying every single one of those choices was, was a wise one, but it was predicated on that, right? That's very different from saying, I want that flat screen TV. I don't have the money to pay for it, but look, somebody's going to give me a credit card, right? Or somebody's going to give me, you know, a loan or whatever. And I'm just going to be able to have today that thing that I can't put off my desire or I can't save up to, to purchase or whatever. So, I mean, you could argue, I suppose, that the person offering you the credit card has done a very, very careful adjudication and they've said, you're good for it because, you know, you're 25 and there's a lifetime of earning ahead of you and you may not be, have the, you know, the money today, but you're going to have it later because you're an employable kind of person, et cetera. But trust me, very few of those credit card companies are doing that kind of adjudication. They're right, just saying, right, yeah. we've got you. And they, by the way, the interest on this is like 30%. And, you know, we're going to put you into this very difficult in, indentured kind of situation, which is, I mean, yes, it's different from being in the poorhouse in Victorian London, right, where you couldn't pay your debts, but it's it ultimately psychologically and and practically is not that different. Where people ma- amass these massive amounts of uh, of debts that you know, and it's all because they couldn't control their their appetites, their desires, or, or put off you know consumption. So, I mean, it's one thing. I mean, a better ex- analogy to the, what the country does would be you know somebody who's twenty five and training to become a doctor, right, which has a massive upfront cost, right? But takes out loans to cover that, knowing that there's a guaranteed job at the end of it, which is relatively well paid um, in our society. And there are specifically companies that will invest in young people, you know, who are successfully training to become doctors. And they'll say, okay, you can take on 500 or $1,000 or a million dollars in debt training to become a doctor, because within a short space, you'll be able to pay that back. It's just not possible to spend you know, 20 years earning the money to, to afford med school, right? It's so it's it's about putting investments in place, right? To say, I haven't got the cash flow now, but I'm good for it because the resources, you know, are there and, and to draw down on that. That's a there's nothing unbiblical about that kind of arrangement of financing and, and so forth, or investment in in companies and giving people the wherewithal to to use their creativity, entrepreneurship, and, and and so forth. But what is problematic is this exploitation, and ultimately kind of being co-opted into you know somebody else's purposes, right? Because when you owe money, right, you you've now been given an end, a telos, which is not the right, telos right. you set out to have, and. You have to then develop practices that, I mean, if you're going to successfully pay that off, that are not ultimately leading, you know, where you want to go. Now, in the case, again, the good case of it, like the doctor, the thing that you have to do to pay that off is to be the good doctor that you train to be. So that that is in keeping. So you you, you evaluate the liturgy there or the, the kind of bigger story and you say, actually, what I'm being asked to do to, to kind of make this work is to be the best doctor possible because that will get me the best remuneration. I'll be able to pay off this debt. But if the thing is I bought the flat screen TV or the car or the holiday and, you know, 
and need to just pay back the you know the the the, the horrible credit card company paying you know to charging thirty percent interest or or whatever. That's not necessarily in keeping with you know the goals you've established and in, in the kind of wider stories you know in your life. And suddenly you're living for no other purpose than to kind of fulfill the ends of these mm-hmm. uh, creditors, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's a really difficult place to be in. And I say it's no different from being thrown into. Um, in a kind of metaphorical sense anyway, a poorhouse in Victorian London and made to work off your debt, right? You stay right, there right. and you, whatever you do, you build um, cartwheels um, until you can actually afford to, to get out of there. If you're not a patron of Enacting the Kingdom, you're only getting half a podcast. This show only exists because of an active community of people just like you over on Patreon. When you become a patron, you'll get additional episodes, live streams, and our ever-growing backlog of episodes, 66 at the time of this recording. And as we're social media free, Patreon is the only place to engage with us and others about these episodes. Go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to join the growing community. And, and, you know, it becomes a psychological prison, right? Like there, there are people who just enter into full states of despair because of the debt that they're in. Okay, so in a long time ago, you could actually do layaway. Right. So you could go to like a place if you wanted to buy something, if you want to buy that flat screen TV, you could set it aside and come and every week and like pay a little bit. Right. So you're you're paying them. They keep it. And once you're done paying, then you get it. And we seem to have flipped in the past, what, 20 years or so um, that now it's way more lucrative for the companies to just give you the thing. Right. To give you the the um, the. to fulfill your passion, your desire, right? It, you get you get the sweet candy right away, but you pay later. And with interest, you're paying more. I, I There was a car commercial that I saw while I was watching a football game that had an 84-month payment plan. Yeah. Like that's seven years yeah. that you're paying I, off a car. Like, yeah. so, oh, it's... I, and, and they're making so much more money off of that and, and off of you. And, and you know what? That Like entering that kind of debt, right? is it, like to, if we're looking at it let's say from the harshest stance right it's just straight up slavery like because now you are forced to yeah. work right you are you are forced to make sure you're bringing in however many grand a month right um you have to be bringing in that money because you have indentured yourself to these companies yeah and the the sad reality with the kind of state of consumer manufacturing these days um is that the likelihood is your debt will last longer than the item you've purchased right Right. so i mean you may not be driving that car in seven years time but you'll still be paying for it right or Mm -hmm. that flat screen tv is going to last you two years but you've still got interest to pay off on it after it's broken and um and uh, yeah i remember layaway (laughs) i mean i must be old Mm -hmm. um (laughs) But, uh, you know, I remember my mom, you know, going into whatever it was, out the Simpsons <laughs> when that was around and, um, you know, and, and arranging, okay, yeah, we're going to acquire this thing. And, and, and you just sensibly set, you know, a little bit of money aside each week and you, you acquired that, that object. It, it makes you really think about the value of it, mm-hmm, right? Part mm-hmm. of the thing about instantly providing you with something is there's not a lot of chance to rethink, you know, whether you need this at all. Whereas presumably over a layaway plan, you know, you've got many months uh, to to kind of think it through and to whether you're really going to, 
you know, acquire this thing, if you actually can live without it, maybe, you know, so much the better. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it made sense. And it's part of a kind of more human level, um, sensible way of kind of organizing, you know, what I was saying about, you know, we can't always and everywhere, you know, afford everything all at once. So what are different ways that we can help each other, you know, to do that? I might have a great business idea, uh, you know, but I don't have the cash flow to do it. So I get investors. That's a kind of debt, right? But it's a good kind of debt if my idea is solid and that they've evaluated that. And so we create instruments for that. You know, so none of that is wrong. It's a, but we really, really need to do this careful diagnosis, careful assessment of each and every one of these things and work out, okay, where do you end up? Where is your heart in this, right? Ultimately, where are your loves and your desires and how have they been ordered? Because, you know, we live in a, in a complicated world in which things are expensive and, and housing and, and, and vehicles and, and other things are not easy to just buy for cash. So we will always need these, these kind of supports and everything, but we have to assess where is our heart in all of this? And can I live the life that I've set out to live? You know, if I've truly consciously, deliberately made the kingdom of God my telos, how does that work into to this? And if it's if this is going to distort my life, distort my practices, you know, introduce ultimately what are vices in that bigger picture, right? That that, that widest picture, that widest story that I participate in, telos is the kingdom of God. Well, I'm meant to be doing things that, you know, practices leading towards that, anything that isn't is a vice, right? Those are virtues and I need, and I need to attend to those. But if, because I've got this indentured relationship with a creditor, I've now introduced these new practices that are taking me away from serving God and, and, and enacting the kingdom, then I've got a kind of forced vice, right? I've, my life has become vicious as a result of what's happened. And that cannot be you know, a good thing or sustainable, you know, over the long run. And so many people, you know, I, I would meet that, you know, kind of in that situation, they, they want to do more, you know, in, in their ultimate life, right. But they've been kind of coerced and constrained and enslaved by these lesser, you know, stories because of choices that were made because of choices that weren't necessarily interrogated or, or diagnosed or assessed, you know, at that kind of deeper level, but there's no neutral, you know, credit card offers or, or, or holiday profferings or, or whatever else we have to kind of look at everything. And it's not to say that having televisions or vehicles or holidays is a bad thing. That's not the point here, right? Becoming a slave to those things. It's for those things. It's the slavery that that, that Mm -hmm. isn't so good. And it's, what's really interesting biblically here is that, you know, from the beginning of God's covenant, relationship with with Israel there were provisions that were set up in in the the Israel society political economy as it were that meant that after a certain number of years things would reset it was a kind of understanding that things like fields would change hands and you know people would need to you know kind of do these kinds of arrangements in order to afford businesses or agricultural projects or, or whatever, but that after a certain period of time, there would be jubilee, right? In, in which everything reset, but everything, all the lands went back to their original owners and all, you know, kind of, there was an equalization payment system that, that would kind of happen and, and people could kind of start over again. There's this kind of, in a, in a way, a kind of 
proleptic anticipation of what the kingdom of God is all about, of forgiveness, of grace, of, of just, you know, this shalom where everything has been, been put right. And so what's interesting here is that it may not be that, you know, taking on debt and having debt instruments in a society is necessarily wrong always, right? Because it, it does get stuff done. But the pro- the kind of projection of what shalom and the kingdom it looks like is when all debts are released <laughs> all everything is is kind of made free again in and and made you know filled with grace and joy and, and fulfillment and so that, i think that's a little bit chastening you know for us as well to know that anything that we've talked about as being that kind of good debt um or the the possibilities and opportunities that the debt allows us to to kind of do things in society um but those are only provisional, right? That's not, that cannot be part of the ultimate picture. The, the ultimate picture is one in which all debts are remitted, all sins are forgiven, all, all and, and grace abounds. And you and owe so, nothing to anyone but to love right, them. Right, right, Ex- exactly that, right? And and so the in order to anticipate that, to live that here and now, we ought to attend to those ends, to those purposes, to the, to the, the kind of telos mm-hmm. that's implied mm-hmm. in all of that. And to, you know, so... Paul uh, writing to the Romans there is um, is quite right, you know, to put put things in that hierarchy that the love of the kingdom and of one another, love of God, love of neighbor, comes first, right? And and those, you know, so the same scriptures that say, you know, if you have a debt, pay it off, right? Proverbs, um, you know, will also say, you know, but actually try not to have those debts because ultimately it's it's about the the love and care and support you know for one another and as i said earlier there if we really think that through then we'll be more challenged and um incentivized to come up with alternatives i do think that in even in our highly complicated world of which is driven by debt instruments and 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 facilities that there would be ways that for, for Christians, for churches, for, for, for communities to, to kind of get together and and find alternatives, you know, whether it is in housing or in, you know, uh, you know, we can be sharing more things. We don't all have to own one of everything. And we talked about that too in the in the previous podcast on on minimalism, that you know, part you know, one of the things Christian communities should be doing is creating kind of common wealth. Right, common uh, treasuries that we can draw down and borrow from, rather than always and everywhere thinking we need to own things because that's what the credit card companies want us to do, because that's what the advertisers want us to do, because that's what our um, you know late modern capitalist culture wants us to do. Enacting the kingdom only exists because of an active community of people just like you over on Patreon. Esther writes. It all started when a very talented and active member of our parish sent out a link for the episode concerning fasting featuring the bright and pious authority Rita Madden. I had witnessed her wisdom before, so I tuned in, found the format of enacting the kingdom very appealing, and immediately became a patron. I have found all of the additional podcasts extremely beneficial and have since evangelized a prominent member of our Orthodox community to do the same. Keep up the good work. Go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to join the growing community. What Nikaila, my wife Nikaila and I have done, and I think that this is maybe a useful tool for others who are listening, you know, because what do we do as Orthodox Christians, right? Like, what, what do we do about all this, right? And, and what we found to be useful is to literally identify things 
in our life, let's say a TV, right? Or a car, or, you know, you just pick out the different things that you're going to have in your life. And to identify which of those items you are willing to go into slavery for. (laughs) And to put it in those terms, right? (laughs) Right, right. Like, are you willing to go into slavery for a a laptop? Right. And then, and then you have to decide. And and with many of the things, for example, um, uh, a TV, we're like, no. Right. So if we get a new TV, we have to pay it outright completely at the, at the front or else we can't afford it. Right. Uh, who is it? Uh, there's a, a financial guy named Dave Ramsey who has a financial program. And one of his famous quotes is act your wage. Mm. And so many of us don't act our wage. No. And um, so, but you, I think that's a useful tool to go through the house, maybe with a piece of paper and be like, what are you willing to go into slavery for? Um, and, and then to work towards living that debt free lifestyle, if you want to put it that way. Um, one, you know, one of the things that we are willing to go into slavery for and that we kind of negotiate is one day we might want to buy a house, right? How, how, well, how does that look? To what degree do we want to be enslaved, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's yeah. sort of a price of admission with some of this stuff. Um, and you know what? It might mean you can't afford the TV. That's fine. It might mean you can't afford the new car. That's fine, right? Like y- you can go with the older model. Um, mm-hmm. But just to have that, just to have that practice of going through your home and being like, "What am I willing to go into slavery for?" It, uh, I found it's it's helped us. It's helped us. Yeah, I mean, it, and to, to even phrase it in those terms, right, is to give it the narrative cast that it has, right? Because slavery is a kind of story, right? And um, you know, we don't, you know, we're certainly not presented with that language and that story when the banks or mortgage companies, you know, come to it's us. It's an or, opportunity or you can't refuse. Right. The, the credit card leaflet that comes through the door does not say, we want you as a slave, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and it doesn't show all the, the paraphernalia of, of, you know, ownership uh, that they will exercise over you, right? They're, they're trying to show you actually the, the lifestyle that, again, it is, as you say, it's above your wage. There's so much more that you pay, right? When you, when you enter that agreement, right? It's, yeah. not even, it's not even only the cost of it. It's not even only the interest that they make on top of it. It's also the maintenance of the thing. It's the mm-hmm. psychological cost of keeping it, right? It's all yeah. of these different costs are associated with that, but they make it look so enticing. Zero, zero money down, Father Jeffrey, mm-hmm. zero money yeah. down. And what's affordable today, even in your mind, may not be affordable next month when an illness hits the family or when, you know, pandemic comes. And I think we've been all very much chastened by events over the last couple of years that we know, you know, how fragile, you know, life is. We hear something like, you know, they're always saying things like, you know, every single person, no matter what their status in society is about 60 days from being homeless, Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's it happens. shocking. And people don't Be- save an emergency fund, right? Well, no. So, so this, these are the kinds of things that doing that kind of audit and assessment and, and, and you've given, you know, very helpful terms on which to do it, you know, to, to very starkly say something like, what am I willing to, to, to be enslaved, you know, here for? And I'd say, you know, carefully, you know, if you're, if, if everything is, is, fine and you have a kind of good economic prospects in your life, you've got skills, training, you're employable and that sort of thing. There's no 
harm ultimately in taking on a certain amount of debt financing to afford things like, you know, a home, particularly where that home, you know, creates an opportunity for all kinds of other things, you know, in life, you know, building a family and 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 reaching out in love and and so forth to the to the community around, being able to serve in a particular neighborhood and environment and and so forth. I mean, these are all good things that come on, off the back of indeed being willing to to say to you know, one of a number of you know relatively non-malicious lenders that are out there. I mean, shop around, be careful, make sure that you know the terms are, are are sensible ones. But to just kind of mindlessly fall into the trap of saying, "Oh well, everyone else, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, I, I'm expected to kind of do this, to live this life, to to at a certain point in my young adulthood, just kind of commit the next few decades of my life to be to being indentured." in order to participate in society. I mean, to enter into that mindlessly is not a good idea. To, to, to consider all the alternatives, and as I say, there, there may be opportunities here for Christians and, and Christian communities to, to, to rethink you know, some of that and, and to offer you know, some sort of alternative strategies of co-ownership and co-housing and, and shared you know, opportunities and, and smaller accommodation, even in big cities today, which are very, very much out of the reach of, of young people, there, there have to be these kinds of alternatives. Even the, the the secular world around us is proposing some of them when, when we're not, right? So we, we should be at the forefront of, of thinking through some of these alternatives. But, um, but yeah, it, it needs to be assessed on that kind of narrative and liturgical, you know, basis. Where, where am I in all of this? Where is my heart? Where, where am I being conscripted, you know, by all of this? And have we not, you know, just somehow distorted? We only get this one life, right? So have we distorted the very gift that God has given us towards ends that are not proper to, to what we are, our true nature is, or, or really ultimately what we intend for our lives, right? Because these, these debts, create out of us very different kinds of human beings than we may maybe imagine that we are. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Yuri Gladio, an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning, and I'm joined on this show by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. Come connect with us on Patreon with any thoughts and follow-ups about this episode. We look forward to seeing you next time.